Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Thank you very much, Chris. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Here's hoping I don't butcher this. Okay. Shangdan um, Kwaile. Is that right? Is that right? All right. In Samoan, Manuia Christmasi. Spanish, Feliz Navidad. In Australian, Merry Christmas. Um, welcome, welcome to this exciting day. Hello to the Lee family, it's wonderful to see you. Hello to everybody, uh, hello to everybody at home. Um, just to sort of re-emphasize something that Chris had stated regarding Clothesline. That is not a Christian organization. It was founded by some people who don't know Jesus who had a, a desire to meet the needs of the community. And I've joined one of the WhatsApp groups and talking about what they do over the past two years because of lockdown and some of the stuff that they've been involved with. And they have a big warehouse in Seven Hills. They transported over the past couple of years six containers, six containers of clothes and of blankets and of things to Lebanon um, to fulfill needs over there as well. So they're doing a great work. They still go out there on Wednesday nights. So if you're available to, on a Wednesday night to go out and, and, and work with homeless people, they still have that available as well. So they're doing a great job in regards to meeting needs, not only here, but also abroad as well. Now, with that in mind, thank you so much, Chris, for reading the reading this morning, because we all experience, and I don't know about you, but I do know this for me, uh, we all experience what I call the curse of the routine. 
whether it's in relationships, whether it's professionally, whether it's culturally, we can become so familiar with something because we hear it over and over again, we, we do it over and over again, we can become somewhat, for want of a better word, bored with it. Christmas is no exception. As a youngster, I think about it, I, I really looked forward to Christmas, to opening presents, to see what my parents had got me, because we didn't, we didn't talk about you know, Santa and stuff at our home, um, just because my parents worked hard, they want to know who got the presents for them. <laughs> Not going to attribute to some guy who doesn't do nothing, come on now, like, you know, my mum and dad worked hard, and, and we sort of did the same uh, and thing. So, and then as you sort of get older, and the, the wonder of Christmas sort of wanes as you get older. And as a parent, my excitement for Christmas came from looking at my kids and, and, and seeing my kids open presents and, and seeing the joy on their faces when they get something that they wanted or even didn't want. They just got what they were given. And, and so we, we, you know, we, we, we were able to see that and they were so appreciative of, of such things. Now, I'm not a grandparent yet, but I know with where we're going today with the twins and stuff, even as grandparents, you get older and you look forward to things like family. You look at the grandkids, you see the meal and spend time with with family. It's a wonderful opportunity. It's wonderful to see everybody here and to be involved with each other and here just to, to invest in the relationships we have here. And I'm greatly blessed by that as well. But, but even those things, the, the wonder of Christmas as a child, as a, as a parent, as a grandparent, even those things can become somewhat routine. We can get bored with such things, for want of a better word. I'm going to keep saying that. The Christmas message, I'm sad to say, can fall into that same category of routine familiarity. After hearing it over and over and over again, we've read Luke chapter 2 or, or, or in Matthew, the birth of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. So much so that we could almost recite it rote just because we've heard it so often. I've been a Christian now for 30 years. And for 30 years, I've read that same passage at that same time every year, or I've heard it in some way, or heard it in some degree. And granted, I get something new from it, but we can become so familiar with it. It's just, it's just the story of Jesus. It's just the story of him being born in Bethlehem. It's just about the angels. And, and it's just that phrase, those two little words. It's just can be our description of the amazing happenings that take place that this time of year celebrates. The amazing happenings of when God becomes a man. The amazing happenings of when this mystery of godliness is made known in the person of Jesus Christ. So today, I'm going to open a word of prayer, and we're going to look at this message of love that's reflected at Christmas time now. So let's bow and, and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this blessed reminder of your great love to us. And I pray that you, by your goodness, you, by your grace, and you, by your mercy, will open our eyes and to fill our hearts with the awe and, and wonder of what it means to know you, not only as our Lord and as our Savior, but also as our friend. Please teach us now by your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I just want to say one thing very quickly. That really scared me. I had, I had my hands on the pulpit, and the pulpit started moving away from me because Cass was pulling away. But I thought I was falling. I, thought, I was like, well, no. I said, yeah, I thought that was an age thing. Thank you very much for playing on my age there, Cass. I appreciate it. Okay. There is an old adage, and you all know this. You all know this. You've used this in relationships all the time, that actions speak louder than words.
that the authenticity of someone's professed feelings or inclinations are proven by what is done as opposed to what is said. So when we look at Christmas, what we see is hope being fulfilled. As we look at the promised deliverer, that was promised way back in Genesis 3.15. What we see is the peace that comes about because the Prince of Peace has now arrived. And in a world that asks questions about the existence of a God that loves them, and they often ask, well, how then does this God love me? How does he show that love to me? I want you to look at today's text, which isn't actually from Luke chapter 2. If you turn to 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to read to you a couple of verses which point to this actual act of Christmas time. In Luke chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we look at these two verses. This is how God showed his love among us. I want to stop there for a second. Okay, I'm going to start again because that there sums up so much. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Say that again. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The beginning of verse 9 basically looks at what I call love expressed. Love expressed, not love spoken about, not love attempted, not love thought well of, it is love expressed. Many years ago we made a video and the question that was asked in that video was, what is love? And if I recall accurately, Brendan's response was, baby don't hurt me, baby don't hurt me, baby don't hurt me, no more. If I recall, is that correct, Brendan? Yes, for those of you who don't know, Brendan is the guy on the drums. He's a musical aficionado. Okay. But love expressed is about just what you do. It's about how you conduct yourself to express or to demonstrate that love. And the thing is this, God expresses his love toward us in so many ways. You might be asking yourself, how? I can name a few right now. The breath that you breathe is God's love expressed to you right now. The sunrise you saw this morning is the love of God expressed to you right now. The trials that you face, as, 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 as much as you don't like them, can be an expression of God's love to you right now. In what way is it God's love to you right now? It is God giving you the opportunity to see his hand at work in your lives and allow you to make the right choice in not only depending on him, but knowing him. Everything in life, if we're going to look at everything in our life, is for the purpose of drawing us closer to him the good as well as the bad. 
And as much as we like to blame God for a lot of the things that go on in the world today, God allows such things to enable us to reassess, to reprioritize, and to refocus where our hope, where our peace, where our love can truly be found. That's why love is expressed in such a way. If you remember, I started this little video bit called This Little Bit, which lasted nine episodes. Not because I was lazy, but because God taught me an amazing lesson through this, which we'll probably get into next year. But I asked the first question regarding COVID, why did God allow this? And I had, I I believe it was Jimmy, and it was uh, Ali, and it was Jono, and and I can't remember the last person. Um, Evelyn, I believe. Or someone, yeah, sorry, I apologize. But they, yeah, I think it was. But, but essentially what they said was, why did God allow COVID, the pandemic, to take place? And each person basically said it was, it was, it was about us reassessing. It was about us reprioritizing. It was about us learning. It was about us having to focus as, as a church on what is really important in life. You know what that is? When something forces you to reprioritize things in your life, well, you know what that is? That's an act of love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I love my children, therefore I'll discipline them. I'll love you, therefore I will correct you if I see you taking, making wrong choices. And the same way God, who sees us doing wrong things, allows us to go through certain things to reprioritize things in our lives. You see, God is more concerned with where we're gonna end up rather than the here and now. He's concerned with our eternal destiny, not our personal satisfaction in the here and now. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, we read, the world and its desires pass away. The world, everything around you, that will pass away. The desires for those things will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. If the world passes away, if the world's desires will pass away, then why should I invest all of my resources, all of my talents, all of my gifts, all my abilities into things that will ultimately burn? into things that will ultimately just fade away, into things that won't last. It's, it's like me play, placing a bet. Now, I'm not, I'm not condoning gambling, but it's like me placing a bet on the Washington generals. Do you, does anyone know who the Washington generals are? The Washington generals? Danny, who are the Washington generals? They're the team that play against the Harlem Globetrotters, and they never win. Never. It's an exhibition game. So it's me placing my life savings on the, on the Washington Generals to beat the Harlem Globetrotters, which will never happen. That's what it's like. If the world and all its desires will pass away, then why am I going to bet on the Washington Generals when all it will do is fade? This, this is of vital importance as we remember and understand how God showed his love among us at Christmas time because we're given an indication of that in verse 9 again we go back to verse 9 we read when love when God when love sent his one and only son into the world for this reason that we might live through him we are born into a state of death of being separated from God God sent his son because of his love for you so that you might know life, so that you might live through him. See, the message of love at Christmas time is where we see the mystery from which true godliness springs. 
that Jesus appeared in the flesh, according to 1 Timothy 3.16. That when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship. That's Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. See, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15. And he did that by dying for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to 12. 1 Corinthians 13.3-5. You see, Jesus appearing in the flesh at the appointed time to confirm God's message of hope and through whom God's message of peace might be fulfilled. Both point at the divine hope and the perfect, sorry, that are both the results from the divine hope and perfect peace, which are products from this message of love. We receive perfect peace, we receive divine hope because of this message of love, of what he was willing to do for you. And for me. And here is the danger of being too familiar. The curse of the familiar. It means that we overlook, well, we can overlook what Jesus did when he was born as a baby. Now follow me on this. The eternal word of God, transcendent above time and space, the all-powerful creator entered time and space and entered into his creation. The transcendent sovereign ruler became the involved submitting servant. He is, if you remember that TV show, Undercover Boss, Jesus Christ is the ultimate undercover boss. He left all that he had, all that he was in divinity to be a part of us, to be in humanity. We read it in, second, sorry, in Philippians chapter 2, uh, starting from verse 5, oh, sorry, verse 6, that he being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness if we could take time to step away from the busyness of our lives if we could take time to to step back from the stresses of work or or from our personal goals or from our fears and concerns by what's going on around us if we could step back from our own self-pitying woe is me attitude toward life then maybe i can start seeing a little clearer my life in the context of Jesus' love for me. See, the entering of Jesus into time was done for no other reason but me. His entry into creation was done for me. His willful submission to his Father's will was done for me, even though I didn't want anything to do with him, even though I can be defiant to his direction, even though even as a Christian now, I can be disobedient to his clear instruction. He went through the greatest of lengths for me. And that same truth applies to you as well. He went through all of this for you. 
He entered into creation for you. He adorned himself in flesh for you. And if he'd done so, he'd done all of that so you and I can be called the son or daughter of God. But even more than that, it's not only that I can call, you know, that, that I can be called a son and daughter of God, but that I can call him Father. It's, it's, that, it's that classic thing, that I will be their God and they will be my people. See, even today, like as we go home and, and share in our family meals and share in our fun as a family, that, that we take time to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the beauty of today's Christmas celebration, the beauty of Jesus Christ and the amazing lengths that he has gone to for you. For us who is so undeserving, lengths that have no other, no other motivation, lengths that have no other motivation than for his great love. That's it. It's not that I am loving, but that he is love. It's not that I'm worth it, but that he deems me worthy. That's what Christmas is about. That is love expressed. And you've seen what love does. You've seen, man, dear, okay, I remember, I didn't ask my wife this, but I remember the amount of hours I would spend talking to my wife on the phone. Hours and hours. I'd drop her off at her place. I'd drive home. Then she'd call me, get home okay? Yeah, I got home. And then we'd just be on the phone for hours. Yeah, I love you. I love you. And you, 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 then, I, then I have maybe, what, three, four hours sleep, then go to work the next day. Man, love makes you do dumb things. Not that that was dumb. I'm, nobody say that. Okay, so. Okay. But you know what I mean? Love, love makes you endure day after day uh, with no rest for your children. Love makes you sacrifice for your spouse. Uh, I've seen my wife do some amazing things because of love for the kids. I've seen her be up all night preparing things for the children uh, because she loves the Sunday school kids and and stuff. I've I've seen her do that. We're here yesterday setting things up for today's service for upstairs. Why? Because she loves the kids. Love makes you you do some things, and it enables you to do these things. That is what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. The length of his love. That is love expressed. It is expressed in Jesus coming to earth for us. And then it is exemplified in verse 10. Love exemplifies. Love is what he does when he's here. Now I made mention to, to uh, Brendan, Brendan's answer, but there's a, there's a song by Nazareth from the 1970s. You probably all know the song. Yeah? The first time I heard the song was with uh, a, car, a car hiring ad many years ago. But it's called Love Hurts. Anyone know the song? I'm not going to sing it. But this is in the first verse, Love Hurts. It's from 1976 by this band called Nazareth, which was a remake of an older song. But in the first verse, it emphasizes the nature of love, that love can hurt. In the first verse, it says, Love hurts, love scars, love wounds, and mars. Oh, that's deep. Okay, and they're not a Christian band, by the way. I just want to let you know. Okay, but whether a broken heart, whether a heart of grief or a heart of loss, love can hurt. And we read in verse 10 these three words This is love. This is love. The truth 
of a loving God who, being exemplified in the Lord Jesus, came as a child that honored his parents. That's the lengths that he went to because this is love. We read how he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man in Luke chapter 2. Once again, this is exemplified in the person of Jesus Christ. This is love. We read how Jesus submitted to his heavenly Father's direction and would do nothing outside of his will in John 5 because this is love. Who in loving others revealed that love during his ministry on earth. When he healed the sick, when he accepted others, when raising from the dead, when calling out hypocrisy, when breaking down barriers, this is love because as it talks about in Philippians 2.3, he valued in humility others above himself. This is love demonstrated in how Jesus Christ treated us and then in turn how I as his child am to treat you. In humility, looking to your needs greater than my own because what does love do? Love prioritizes others above yourself. Love gives. Love blesses. Love invests. It's exemplified in Christ, and that's the example shown by the Lord Jesus Christ in his beginnings as he's born as a baby and is in his endings at the cross on Calvary. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. One of the most amazing things about love is that love responds. Love responds. That when we see love demonstrated, not just in thought, not just in word, but in action, but in deed, in truth, that we respond to that love. We see the sacrifice that he made for us, not only by coming to earth as a baby, but dying on the cross for my sin. The greatest expression of love. And I know, I know, when someone does something for you, when something does something amazing that leaves you awestruck, why would you show such kindness to me? You're dumbstruck, you're awestruck. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm so undeserving of such things. And that is the exact love that God gives us in Jesus Christ. It is the focus of Christmas. It is the focus of today that God loves you. That's it. Christmas is about God's love for you. It's a love that transcends human logic. It's a love that stands above our circumstances. It's a love that brings wholeness to those who lack. A love that gives a confident hope in times of doubt and a divine peace in times of chaos and uncertainty. That is what love does. Love is security. And when that love is grounded in God who never changes, God who, who loved me just as much now than what he did when he died for me at Calvary 2,000 years ago, that love remains the same. J.I. Packer says this, the Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later, he might hang on a cross. The truth of a loving God, the truth of loving God, 
the truth of loving others, and it begins with this huge step at Christmas. Because at Christmas, we are given the same privilege to be representatives of that same love as well. It's a love that darkness will never overcome. It's a love that the enemy cannot defeat. It is why light will always shine and outshine no matter what or how grim things are. You see, I I look around and I see various people in church who have made deliberate attempts to express this love to others, not only in the church, but but outside of the church. Because of their love for people, they they have sought to reach out and build relationships. They've sought to reach out and and welcome others. They've sought to reach out and be involved with others. Stepping out takes effort. Reaching out means you may not get a response Reaching out means you're leaving yourself vulnerable and in doing this can result in the one reaching out being hurt, being disappointed, or being rejected. But what I found interesting about the people in church who do this is that they weigh up the costs of what is gained rather than what can be lost. They see the blessing of a friendship made, of fellowship established, of a relationship built that far outweighs that far outweighs the fact that they might be rejected or they might get hurt or they might get let down which does happen but does that stop them from doing it no no they they are not concerned with what could go wrong they are more concerned with what god can do and the blessing that can that can grow from it now look at jesus and the extent of his steps Look at Jesus and the laying aside of his divinity. Look at Jesus and the adorning of his own personal limitations as he became a man. The the risk that he placed himself in was all done because of his love for you. And this is why Christmas is so amazing. This is why Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. And it is why today we remember Jesus and the message of love that he brings. If you get the chance, listen to a preacher by the name of Vance Havner. Vance Havner, great preacher, but he says this. Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts. The gifts of God to man his unspeakable gift of his son and the gift of man to God when we present our bodies a living sacrifice. May we, as we look at this message of love, may we present our lives, our beings, as gifts to the Lord. May he in turn present our lives to each other as gifts to each other as well. The gift of friendship. And, and, and that'll result in the blessing of this church family of love and grace and mercy and kindness and acceptance. Because all of those things we've experienced in Christ, and we in turn have the chance to demonstrate those exact same things to each other. That is the blessing you are to me. I pray that we might be such a people to give of ourselves to each other just as the Lord Jesus gave himself to us at Christmas. So, 
with that, I'm going to ask the music team to come up. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and then we'll sing our final song. But I encourage you, I encourage you, take some time to look at Christmas for what it really is, the love of God expressed to us and exemplified to us through Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of Christmas. We thank you for his example, the love expressed in what he did, that he was born of a virgin in a stable laid in a manger, that you did such things for us, that as we look at love exemplified as how he represented not only your love to a lost world, but demonstrated the greatness of that love in, his giving, in the giving of his life on a cross. I pray that we will not soon forget the, the blessing and the privilege it is to know you as our God and as our Father. I pray that we will appreciate the gift of Jesus Christ and everything that he is as our Lord and as our Savior. And I ask that as we go about our day today, you will stir our hearts to be in awe and wonder of you, who is truly awesome and wonderful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.